sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. So we've done several shows already over the course of this year about Supreme Court decision about a cross, a 65-foot large war memorial of World War I, sitting in the middle of a Maryland state highway. And of course, you probably know by now the Supreme Court upheld that. Well, that may be a no-brainer for Christians and folks who like crosses and believe in crosses, but not everybody does. So we've looked at this issue from a number of different points of view already this year. Today, I've invited my friend and frequent guest on Freedom's Ring, Richard Fulton, to give us his perspective on this Maryland cross case. Richard, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Great to be with you again. And I should point out for our listeners that, you know, you have served the Jewish community as, as a legislative director for many, many years in Washington and as uh, a leader in the religious freedom community generally. And yet you're okay with, uh, you know, a lot of Jewish groups and, and all are not happy with decisions that uphold Christian symbols on public land. But uh, if I read your analysis correctly, you're okay with how the court ultimately reasoned through this decision. Yeah, I think it's a narrow decision. And, uh, you know, first of all, as, as a, just as a practical matter, uh, you know, thinking back to the, I, I wasn't at the oral argument, but I, I read a transcript of it. Uh, and it was, it was quite clear the court was looking for a way to uphold the cross. And they did it in about as narrow and a fashion and one as sensitive to concerns about a government establishment of religion and respect for minorities as it was going to. Uh, so I think we should be grateful for that, uh, even, even those that have concerns about the way the court came out. Uh, I would hope they would recognize uh, that the court could have, uh, that certainly our members of the court would have wanted to go much further and rule in a way that would have been far more problematic. Uh, so I'm satisfied with how the court came out with this decision, and I think as a practical matter, not only was this where they were going, but a contrary decision would have sort of set up a, a situation in which, uh, you know, there are others, maybe not a lot of them, but there are other similar kinds of crosses with similar vintage uh, that were erected as war memorials a long, long time ago. And the spectacle of those then coming under challenge and what that would mean in an already divisive time, I think, would have been very problematic. So there's no enthusiasm on the court for dismantling uh, various monuments, symbols of religious significance that are scattered across the American landscape, to be sure. Um, what does the decision, what are its implications in terms of those who want to continue erecting such monuments? Well, that's a great question. And as with so many of these church-state cases, we, we have a, and it doesn't only happen with church cases, but it seems to happen an awful lot with them, uh, that you wind up not with, say, just a majority opinion and a dissent, but with an array of opinions and trying to figure out what the court held and where it's going really demands a flow chart and perhaps in three dimensions. Uh, so that's what we have here. Uh, so that's a great question, but the answer is it's not clear. Uh, I think that there's a lot of appetite on the court for revisiting Lemon v. Kurtzman, which is, of course, the court, the case of 
uh, quite a while ago in which the court set up a test uh, in which uh, it said that in order for government action or, or, or legislation to be upheld as constitutional, it has to have a legitimate secular purpose. It can't have the primary effect of either advancing or inhibiting religion and can't result in an excessive entanglement of government and religion. And that test was really under assault almost from the day that the court first rendered it. It's already by 1993, the late Justice Scalia was calling it the ghoul that they could somehow couldn't put to sleep. And by now, uh, it's been ignored so many times that I think many of the justices, including Justice Breyer, uh, who, you know, counts on the, on the progressive side, uh, of the, of the court, uh, you know, looking for some better way to, to handle these cases and to be more frank that they're dealing, they have to deal with cases about what is and isn't a violation of church state separation on a more, uh, case by case basis and, and based on, you know, long-standing fundamental principles of, of what religious liberty demands as opposed to trying to mechanically apply some tests. So, you know, it's, uh, so it's that being said, I think there's, let me, let me just say, I think there may be a majority of the court still that's not ready to throw, uh, long-standing, uh, concerns about government establishment overboard, but it's not clear that there are, and that's really where we are. You know, that they cobble together enough justices to uphold this cross without uh, throwing out, uh, you know, traditional establishment clause concerns. And then the question is, where do we go from here with the court as it's presently constituted? So with respect to the Lemon test, I've talked to uh, some of what I would call Christian conservative activists about, well, what is it that you don't like about the Lemon test? Do you want laws that are enacted primarily for a religious purpose or primarily for a religious effect? Or do you think that church and state should be entangled? So, you know, I turn around the prohibitions and say, well, you know, you want laws that can do all these things. And they say, no, we don't. But, you know, the problem with the lemon test is that the court doesn't use it. And, uh, you know, it doesn't serve any purpose, I guess, is kind of the, the challenge to it. Um, you know, to me, you know, the notion of government neutrality is just inherent in our system that it's not the government's job to pick winners and losers among religions or to favor uh, one religion over another or to denigrate a particular religion or religious practice. You know, it's supposed to kind of be neutral and stay out of the business of religion. Yeah, I think that's right. But there's, you know, it, not doing things that appear to be hostile to religion is also part of that mix. And at least again, turning to this specific case, uh, you know, having the government engage the enterprise of taking down these long-standing war memorials, even though they clearly are, are built around a, a religious symbol, would strike a lot of people as somehow being hostile to, you know, the, at least the religious roots of this country. Uh, so I think one of the problems with the Lemon Test is it, we kept running into situations, we as a country, in which the court didn't really want to do what the Lemon Test strictly construed would have required them to do, and so they just ignored it. Uh, and so I, I think, again, that the issue is one of, on balance, are you truly being neutral or are you doing something that expresses hostility to to religion, which is just as bad as doing something which seems to favor religion. Uh, so, And that's why you have things take place that are practices that have been, you know, I think this is really what the decision carves out, is this notion that there are longstanding practices, not just memorials, but, for instance, the practice of beginning legislative sessions with uh, with a prayer or putting in God we trust on our on our currency. And 
again, a strict, you know, a really strict reading of Lemon v. Carson would have said all this stuff can't be allowed, and no matter for how long we've been doing it, and for no matter what the vintage is, and yet there's a lived experience of this country where there is a, you know, a nod towards civil religion, and that's really all it is. Certainly, in the case of In God We Trust, the courts have looked the other way. And that most, even people that are very concerned about separation of church, they have said this is not the biggest problem on our plate. And are we creating more problems by going to the barricades on this as opposed to thinking about the things that really do impact people's lives? For instance, you know, uh, when social services are provided by religiously affiliated institutions, are there strong enough protections in place to make sure that people receiving these public funded services aren't being proselytized, aren't being discriminated against? Mm-hmm. That's a place where maintaining you know, an appropriate barrier between religion and state, or at least appropriate rules in place, matter a lot more in everyday people's lives and, you know, whether or not a century-old memorial is going to be allowed to remain in place. Well, and look, I've often said that uh, these battles over religious symbols like crosses that get so much attention um, don't necessarily deserve it when, as you and I both know, every day Americans are losing their jobs because of their religious beliefs and practices. Mm -hmm. And those stories don't get told. Those stories typically are not going to the U.S. Supreme Court. And, um, you know, that's where, to me, the rubber really meets the road in religious freedom is, you know, can we hold our beliefs and go to work and feed our families and go to our houses of worship, you know, in peace? And it's just not happening for everybody. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's very much... Uh, you know, if you look at the media coverage of the political scene generally, it, it seems so often that what's focused on is the trivial and the symbolic, uh, which are not necessarily the same thing. Symbols are very important sometimes, but nevertheless, uh, the focus is not on what really matters for our future and, and how we're going to live together as a diverse and pluralistic society. Uh, so, and I think this falls, this falls in that, in that category, notwithstanding that there's no question that what's what's different about this case than in God we trust is it's not a mere nod to to theism or to you know the the, the, the traditions of this country. It is in fact a symbol that is totally imbued with a a very particularistic religious perspective. And the only reason it's okay that it's there is because you know I, I think it was it was put up at a time. First of all, it was was it's not intended to commemoration for non-Christian war dead who were not part of the community at that time that was putting it up. And in addition, uh, you know, we have church-state law that has evolved since it was put up. So there's, there's something, I, I think, problematic about sort of retroactively deciding uh, that it might have been okay then, but the law has changed, and so now we have to go and take it down, as opposed to uh, putting up a cross now. And, and you, you alluded to those that are that would like to go and do more. and. I think there may well be still a majority of the court because the opinion of the court does point to the fact that this is a long-standing memorial. Uh, that much as there might be folks who would like to take this, seize this, and say, "Good, now we can put up more crosses on public land." That's it's my hope that in fact that's not where majority of the court is today. That they would recognize that 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 would be an assault on on religious liberty and on the sensibilities of Americans today that it was not a, a century ago. Well, you know, we just have a couple of minutes before we close. To me, I mean, I get that on balance, it probably was a good thing to keep the cross up, that taking it down would have, uh, you know, been a demonstration of hostility. And the, the Constitution certainly forbids hostility to religion. Uh, but, um, 
in the rationale that the you know in the courts discussing the cross, they discuss it as both a sacred and a secular symbol, and that troubles me. You know yeah. that uh, you know for Christian believers, of course, the cross is a, an extremely sacred symbol, and so to say that well, but it's also just kind of a secular symbol of of uh, you know. Uh, memorializing the war dead, and that that's somehow uh, used in a secular context. To me, there's a, a, a term in our language for when you take something sacred and you make it common, and that's called a desecration. And so to me, it's very troubling when the court uses that kind of language. I, I, I get that, um, you know, on balance, as you say, the outcome was needed, it was narrow, um, and we'll see where we go from here, that we do have a basic structure of church-state law intact as far as trying to maintain some healthy separation. Uh, it remains to be seen what that healthy separation might look like because government so much more involved in, in everything. But uh, yeah, well, and Let me just say, I agree with you on, on your concerns about making the sacred into something that's profane, and I don't mean profane in a bad way, but in the sense of secular. Uh, and, you know, I think that's the price that's paid for trying to justify bringing religious symbols into the public ground in this way. Uh, so I, I hope those that are concerned by that will think twice about efforts to uh, once again try to justify putting uh, other kinds of religious symbols in the current day on public property. That this direction is the direction of the We're out of time, so I, I got to cut you off. But uh, I appreciate your being with us on Freedom's Ring. Our guest, Richard Fulton. As we close, don't forget, friends, freedom is most definitely not free. Be informed, get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association producer of Freedom's Ring on the web at religiousliberty.info. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. Freedom's Ring.